Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's up, people? This is DJ. Hey, mi gente, this is Ish. And, and this, this is season, season two, two of Pero Let Me Tell You. Good, and you? I feel like, we'll, you know, we're never going to find out whether Camila went with the black dress or the white dress. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking of something else. I was thinking of Esta Noche Tonight with Alexi Valdez. That is somebody we should get on the show. We should. Because I like Alexi Valdez a lot. Okay. And he does a lot of uh, theater here in La Ocho. We'll just go. If we'll Alexi Valdez people are listening to Pero Let Me Tell You, yep. give us a call. We're here. We'll, we'll contact you somewhere or another. I'm sure. So welcome to episode <laughs> 55. Good Lord. 55 already? We're 10 years away from retirement. God, well, not I retirement wish. of Pero Let Me Tell You or us. Just I, that I, I wish number. that were true. Although nobody <laughs> can retire anymore at 65. No? No. no. Even if they've been listening to Susie Orman. You have to put your money in where it goes. You can't spend it. No, no, you cannot afford it. Put down the roast beef. Every time I watch her, I feel like such a failure. Why? <laughs> because she's always like, oh, if you start investing at 20, you'll have $5 billion when you retire. <laughs> but if you start investing at, you know, 40, you'll only have, you know, $200,000. And I'm like, gosh, I feel like such a failure. Excuse me that when I was 20, I was not adding money to my Roth IRA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Roth IRA. It's always about the, Roth, about IRA. the Roth IRA. Have you it's noticed? True. It's true. That like, and, and her jacket collars. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. But, you know, anyway. She's the epitome of lesbian chic. I didn't know she was a lesbian. <laughs> you when didn't I, know she was a lesbian? I didn't know. She, I just, she was like one of these like non-sexual people to me. It's like I never thought about her in one way or another having okay. sex. <laughs> like You just pictured her with a calculator telling with you a calculator what you can doing, buy. you know, investments and right. Roth IRAs. I, I, I never thought of the sexuality of Susie Orman. <laughs> I, I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but I never really stopped to think about it one way or another, you know. She's Roth sexual. She's Roth sexual. Is that a new term? 
I don't know, the Roth IRA. So, everybody, welcome to episode 55. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, aquí estamos. Aquí so, estamos. So, here's something a little funny that's a kind of good topic of conversation because um so last week we talked about well what everybody was talking about which was the whole um college admission scandals called varsity blues yes with you know our lovely dear Lori lachlan otherwise inoffensive Lori lachlan <laughs> and felicity hoffman, felicity hoffman and a bunch of other people who were involved in this and you know like any news story once it breaks then it becomes kind of right, a life right. of its own and and now, um, in the wake of this, they've really uncovered the whole college admissions, you know, process and how unfair it is, and right, right. how it's not a level playing field. What I think is really funny is that there is this woman uh, <laughs> oh called. Wait, hold on, I, I gotta get her name because it's. And she put her she put herself in the middle of the of the um, controversy. So whatever. In what way? This woman called. Um, Jennifer K. She has uh, no last from, name. Oh, from Oakland. Actually, her name is Jennifer K. Toy. <laughs> K. Toy. Yes, Jennifer K. Toy, <laughs> a high school teacher from Oakland, California, okay. is suing oh, Lori Lockwood and Wait. Felicity Huffman for five hundred billion dollars. <laughs> Be with billion with a Bione. B. Something like, wait, are you suing them for half a trillion dollars? <laughs> okay, and what does what does the K car want? So she says that she alleges that the defendants cheated her son Joshua out of a hard earned place in some colleges, uh, implicating the scandal. And her courts did uh, Joshua go to school with the Lachlans and the Huffmans? I was like, Mira, even if Joshua <laughs> would have invented the iPhone, he still would have not made you know <laughs> half a trillion dollars. Like. These are the things that when people give these lawsuits. So Joshua had a 4.2 GPA. He was not accepted to these elite universities for some undisclosed undisclosed reason. She writes that she feels, damn it, this thing, that she feels that it was unfair what her husband, what her son was put through. And it's caused severe emotional distress to her and her family. How? Because he didn't get into the college he wanted to and he couldn't invent the iPhone. (laughs) But that's life. You don't always get what you want. So maybe he wouldn't have gotten in even if Lori Lockwood so had seriously donated speaking, money. I'm I'm never a fan of you know when somebody gets gets kicked down or somebody gets caught doing something. Right. I'm never a kicking fan of like down. keep keeping them kicking them around. Right. Look what Lori Lachlan and Felicity Huffman and all these other people involved in this did is is not right. It's wrong. I mean, period. It's, it's wrong. Period. And nobody def- nobody's defending them. But you know what? They were the ones who got caught because we all know that this is something that goes on day in and day out. That goes oh, on for years in private um, school, high schools. Let's it, not even, even go to high college. school. I mean, private high schools in in, in uh, preschools to get your kid in yeah. certain preschools. Which, ironically, Felicity Huffman's character on Desperate Housewives had an episode where she bribed somebody to get her twins into. Well, preschool. there we go. Well, so. there we go. It was only foreshadowing <laughs> of what was going to happen. And I mean, obviously, these ladies have been made the poster child of right. this this issue. But this is a really big problem. Um, I was watching something on Vice News this mm-hmm. week where they actually interviewed somebody who did pot. <laughs> they actually interviewed on Vice. the former admissions directors for like MIT and Princeton mm-hmm. and Brown, all these top schools. Mm-hmm. And they were very, very candid about the admissions process. And they said, look, there are uh, people that get in because, as we know, mm-hmm. their parents are legacy. Right. So they they're get getting in. in. There's people that get in because their parents have donated money to the school. 
There's people that got in because they know people on the board. And as one of them said, which I believe was the director of Yale or Harvard, the admissions director or former admissions director, she said, once you start factoring all that in, there is very little, you know, very little space for everybody else. The average person. And... Another thing that was very interesting in this um, in this report, and everybody could check it out on YouTube, um, it's Vice News. They mm-hmm. did a whole yeah. report on this. Is that um, they the the admissions directors start talking about their own biases, really, and they have biases. Well, they're you know, human. We all have biases, but, right? But but they admittingly talk right, about right. their biases such as and, and like for example one one lady was like look um any girl that i see that i could kind of tell that she's like black mm-hmm. and she comes from nothing i'm gonna root for her which is great and dandy um right but, but, but she's like but that's a bias that's of bias, mine right. and she's like i also um one of my biases is also people from the south and she and and when she started talking about that she's like oh my god i didn't realize i had so many biases <laughs> You know, and right. and these are you know these are all things that you know bias is I guess you know human nature. But when you're talking about an admissions uh, process that should be should neutral, be neutral, and on a level playing right. field, these biases come into play. And you know, as one of them said, when you are the smart kid who did well in school, who did mm-hmm. well in your SAT. And maybe you didn't have the opportunities to go intern at the United Nations or right. know people or all that. Right. You don't have a lot of people who are rooting for you right. to try to get into this elite school. Right. So I thought it was very interesting because it kind of shed light onto something we already knew. Um, and and what I think it's really f- further um, uh, goes into what we were talking about was what you and I discussed last week in episode 54 that given – if we were to apply to college today, you and I, we wouldn't get in. Where we we wouldn't get in into our respective colleges, and we were both excellent students in our school. And I think I don't know. I it, it's I think it's because we were tremendo nerdo. We were. I mean, <laughs> we were involved. We had high GPAs. We had yeah. good test scores. We, I mean, we were very well rounded. Uh, we had hell of recommendations from from uh, yeah from teachers, faculty, and, yeah. and we would not get in, or at least not get in in terms of black and white, in terms of <laughs> right, 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 numbers, right, right. Just by based the numbers. on on right. uh, and and and. I think that's telling at the fact that, I mean, the, the competitiveness, that the, the competition that we have now to get into college, it's, it's ridiculous. Getting a good education should not be that hard. No, I don't disagree. But, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just insanity. It's insanity to me, the degree to which people go to to, to prove they can make it. Yep. You know what I mean? On that note, so... I was recently, actually, between yesterday and today, I binged a podcast mm-hmm. about a topic that I know you actually really enjoy reading about. Okay. Elizabeth Holmes. <gasps> Bad blood. Oh, Bad my God, blood. yes. So In the fact, po- I'm, I'm actually going to post something about it on my own personal Instagram this week. Well, there you go. Now. You okay, can do okay. a twofer. Okay. Um, now let's, talk, let's talk about no, Elizabeth so, Holmes. Okay, so, I mean, I had heard about her because, well, I had heard about her because of you telling me that, you know, she's... Before you say anything about her, have you seen her crazy eyes? Okay, it's not even her crazy eyes. It's you've heard her speak, right? Yeah, yes, I've heard her speak. Okay, how could anybody take her seriously when she literally sounds like Mira Sorvino in Romeo and Michelle's High School <laughs> Reunion? She does sound like she's like, <laughs> I'm making a box that is filling up with blood, like my shoe. You know, like what? Like 
how could you take her seriously? I can't. I can't do it. I've with been it. living Elizabeth Holmes for like months now, reading the book and watching everything I could find about her. But go ahead. So I was listening to the podcast. Um, it's only six episodes, and that's a, that's the podcast that they turned into the the special on ABC recently mm-hmm. the, on twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's a documentary may have come out by the time this is airing on HBO. Yeah, it's coming out any day now. Like any day now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I knew about it because what you had told me, but obviously I didn't know the details. And for our listeners who who don't know about the story, um, I, actually, I'll turn it over to you so you can give them a quick. So, so Elizabeth Holmes is the mastermind behind a company called Theranos, and she, which dev- contrary to how it sounds, doesn't turn superheroes to dust. <laughs> no, no, and or Theranos, right? Um, And she created this company, I believe, in like 2010 or 2012. Basically, the the biggest selling point of this company was that your blood work would now would no longer be that cumbersome experience mm-hmm. where you go to a testing center and they have to take out like you know four or five vials of blood right. and obviously you know if you're afraid of needles or if you're right. a child or you know somebody elderly that it's hard to get their blood um all that is out the window i mean it was now, essentially like like with a prick of a with they prick your like, finger like when you get your blood check for diabetes right essentially and now Allegedly, what she was proposing with this technology and this company was that with a prick of a finger, uh, they will prick your finger and get like maybe two drops of blood. Mm -hmm. And that blood would be in this tiny little container, maybe the size of like a dime, no bigger than like, let's Mm -hmm. say a dime in terms of height. And that blood then would be put into a little machine called the Edison. And the Edison was maybe... No bigger. I think than, they said it was about the size of like a printer, like a like a like, like a desktop a, printer, like a desktop printer, even smaller than a right, desktop right. printer. But imagine kind of imagine that for the intent of this conversation, something like the size of a of a desktop printer. Um, you would put those little drops of blood in that little vial in in there, and it could test over two it could do over 200 different blood tests from cholesterol to cancer yeah to, everything to um, theoretically to your blood count i mean anything and everything mm-hmm. so just about every blood test that could be done um which is two drops could, of blood could be done just by a little prick of the finger and to add and so, so obviously this was revolutionary Absolutely. because now you kind of completely revolutionized something that up to now had been so cumbersome uh, and again so tedious and time consuming and and you have to go to a testing center and she entered into this contract with walgreens where walgreens um the prototype locations were in arizona and i believe in some other areas of the southwest united states where walgreens similar to having a a mini clinic they would have like a little clinic and a little kind of like area in the back where you they would you would go prick your finger, they do the whole process, and in a few minutes you would have um, whatever blood test it is that you specifically needed. She had on the board of directors. She had like Harry Kissinger. She had Kissinger. She had people from Kissinger. Apple. Kissinger. She had some of the biggest investors, like biggest people in like uh, you know the world of technology. Like, the only person missing was God. Yeah, and but there was just one little catch. It was all. It was all a big fat lie. The technology did not exist. 
Uh, and she somehow managed to convince this entire board of directors to, and she had at one point the company was worth like nine billion dollars. Oh, ridiculous amount! You know, yeah, only yeah. a fraction of what Lori Lachlan is being sued it, for. Uh, you know what? But, she was thinking small, but nine billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, she was, she was only she nine was billion, only nine billion, billion right? right? But was really interesting, and it's what what you know when when you study cases like this and and. You know, you guys out there that are listening should definitely check this out because it, it, even if you're not it's interested in like the science behind it, just the persona. How people get caught up in it. She had the Steve Jobs complex. Okay. Ella, por ahí ya me empezó a caer mal. With the Steve Jobs complex? Yeah, because it's like, okay, you can't even get your own look. Yeah. She would always wear a black and turtleneck. you know how I feel about turtlenecks. She would always wear a black turtleneck. Her voice, she would talk in a much she lowered lower her voice. voice. And she completely, she she was on the on f- the cover of Forbes yeah. magazine, just about every single scientific, um, you know, um, publication. She did, uh, she was invited speakers everywhere. She sat down with Bill Clinton. I mean, she was like really the poster girl uh, for this, you know, for like the like a new generation of scientists and technology right. out there. And it was all a lie. It was all a lie. And you again, if you look like Ann Coulter, you'll get some, you know, screen time. Yeah. Because let's face it, if she wasn't a white blonde lady, nobody would have cared. You think so? You think that it had to, had to do with I it? Think, I think it, it contributed to it. Well, it, because also, it made her more photogenic and, you know. It's not the same if you've got some, you know, nerdy guy with pimples and glasses claiming to do this as opposed to, you know, because then that's a double story. Number one, oh, it's a woman in science, which, you know, we should celebrate, right? But then she's also pretty. What? Oh, well. Compared to everybody else in science. Yeah. You know, most people who work in the science realm are not. I can't get past her crazy eyes. Well, that's because she was just wondering when the hell everything was going to hit the fan. You know, you know, they're doing a movie on it, right? I have no doubt. Yeah. yeah gonna, and Jennifer um, Lawrence is going to play her. Wow. That's a bigger upgrade than when Emilio Estefan got Josh Segarra. <laughs> 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 yeah. I think it comes out next year in 2020. Oh, wow. Already? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been going on for a while. Um, it's just starting to hit like the, the mainstream Well, news. because the book was released last summer. And okay. how, that's so funny you brought this up because I kid you not. I'm actually going to show you the picture. I took a picture <laughs> with the book because on my personal Did you Instagram, just finish it? Or? No, I finished it actually months ago. Okay. But because now it's oh, okay. gotten... All the documentaries uh, th- th- and all that. It's really funny. So the book is called Bad Blood. And when I... I on my personal, they should have gotten Taylor Swift to play her. Uh, well, that's what I was saying. On my, on my personal <laughs> Instagram, I like to now, now and again put books. See, I even took the picture and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, I like to put books that I've read or whatever. But this book is called Bad Blood. And I was like, do it on. People are going to think this is a book about Taylor Swift's song. <laughs> <laughs> so far removed. But, um, and I was going to post it on my personal Instagram because now, because of the uh, 2020 documentary, right. and the HBO, now the HBO right. one, and then, you know, uh, the podcast that yeah. you heard, it's more now like in the forefront in terms of conversation. But, but I guess, you know, the bigger subject there is how could she have put on such a farce for so long? Mm-hmm. And have so many people involved. I don't understand it because, again, listening to the podcast, and it's called The Dropout. It's only six episodes, and each one is about That also added to her, her mystique, right? That she was a, a Stanford right. college she was dropout. A dropout. She yeah. was a dropout. Like Steve Jobs and, um, again, and Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg. She didn't have an original thought in her mind. No. I'm sorry. That's why she's got those bug eyes because she's just like you could hear the wind blowing through her ears. <laughs> but I, I, what I don't understand or what, what, what is amazing to me is – 
she met many people along the way. Even the guy, there was a guy from Walgreens specifically that they had as like an internal, he went to go check everything mm-hmm. out and he asked certain questions. I need to see this. I'd like to see that. And they were kind of dodgy about it. Like, oh no, um, we'll get it to you. Oh, not today. And things like that. He brought those concerns up to Walgreens and Walgreens still said, mm-hmm. yeah, no, don't worry about it. Did the podcast, So it's not just her. Did the podcast go into her relationship with Sonny? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yes, it did. And Sonny sounds like a crazy like person. A tyrant, yeah. Like the absolute well, but just think about it. If you were able to hold on to that farce for so long. Oh, you're not letting go. I mean, you have to really have a solid act. Yeah, well, it was crazy because she was like the good cop and Sonny was the bad cop. Mm-hmm. Which I guess you have to have a certain, to your point, a balance. But it's like anytime somebody would, would say something, you know. She'd fire them on the yeah, spot. Fire them. Yeah. She'd just fire them. She'd get rid of them. Did and the, that did, wasn't a red did flag it talk to anybody. About the whistleblower, the kid, the one who was the the, the senator's the, the, grandson. He, he was the grandson of um, was it a senator or, I or, that, or a state representative um, of uh, Schultz, which yeah, 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 was yeah, yeah, yeah. Ronald Reagan's chief of staff. There you go. <laughs> I knew something in government. That's what I'm saying. He was the only one who could have been the whistleblower because he had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody else was just a regular, well, regular quote unquote scientist. You know, their careers would have been ruined. Yeah. If that kid hadn't come along, they even interviewed this one lady who she had breast cancer. Mm-hmm. I think it was breast cancer. And she got herself tested at one of those those Theranos, labs. Theranos lab yeah. things. At Walgreens, actually. And it showed that, like, I think her estrogen levels were off the charts. Mm-hmm. And like, it looked it looked like if she had and, a relapse. If I remember her case, it was, like, in the 300s. Yeah, like, yeah. It, looked it was, like, like, huge. And then, you know, she went to her doctor, because obviously you go get a second opinion. And the doctor was like, no, no, you're fine. You're, you're, yeah. you're still remission. She did a subsequent blood test, and it was, like, at zero. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane so to me, me that she had no, from, no remorse. From... Because I've kind of been in in this for months, like from reading the book to watching. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube about her. Okay. Um, and what's interesting is that on YouTube, you'll find like a lot of the original shows and interviews that she gave mm-hmm. when she was still legit. Right, right, right. <laughs> and well. then obviously, you you find a lot of videos of uh, John Carreyrou, who was the one who wrote the book. Oh, okay. So a lot of interviews of you know her after her fall. Uh, so let me ask you this. Somebody who just kind of got introduced to yeah. this. Do you do you think that she? Do you think that it was a fraud from the beginning? I'm going to compare this to the fire festival, like seriously. Okay. Do you think that, like the fire festival, we asked the same in um, question about what was the name, Billy mm-hmm. McFarlane? McFarlane? McFarlane, I think so. Yeah, the guy who was the director, or yeah, at least the, the owner the, of the, the owner, fire. the creator, not Ja Rule, the, the other one. Do you think that from the get go? They tried to just scam people and take people's money, or do you think that they, you know, they they were very ambitious? Because I, sometimes I think that with the case of Theranos, I think that she probably thought with all this money coming in from investors mm-hmm. that the technology would eventually she eventually get there. catch up that I she would eventually think, get there. So I think the big difference is with this guy Billy from the beginning. I mean, you look at his his background and his his past. The guy's a con artist, yeah. left and right. I think, and he had a finite end date. <laughs> right, like this festival. had to happen. Like whether, come hell or high water, this festival had to happen on yeah. X date. With her, I think it's almost a little worse. I think it's almost a little more dangerous. I think that she could not be brought to believe that she wasn't the smartest person in the room. I think, you think that it was she, something with her ego? I think it's her ego. I think that she, if, and, and the further along she got, I think she got into her head where it's like, 
I'm a dropout because I don't have to go to college. I'm smarter than So she started than this. drinking her, her own Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Her yeah. own Kool-Aid, yeah. And it, it, I, I think that that's what it became. And eventually, you know, to your point, she's like, no, no, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And even if she realized she didn't, she's like, okay, but I'm so smart that I will figure this out. Yeah. Like, I will figure this out and right. I'll get there. And I don't think she could ever, even to this day, she doesn't admit any wrongdoing. No. She doesn't admit any wrong. I think that she's a sociopath. It's funny because they, in her deposition, Mm -hmm. they used quotes from her interview in different magazines. And she's like, I don't remember. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. She's like, well, at the time I thought that. Right. But she was making very, I I think, I think it's a little bit of what you're saying. And I, I, because they did develop the Edison machine. Right. They. Yeah, it's not like she didn't try. They did develop, the, the technology was kind of very rudimentary. But I think that the problem is that where she shot herself in the foot was when she went live with it on, on uh, I was say Kmart, on Walgreens, <laughs> you know, in Walgreens, because now you were putting this for the mass public you to use. You health in danger. Exactly. I mean, imagine, I mean, that woman, they told her she had levels of cancer, but thankfully she didn't. Can you imagine it would have been the other way around? Yeah. If yeah. somebody would have taken that blood test and they would have been like, oh, your levels are fine. fine. And really, you're, you're, you have cancer spreading in your body. Or what if you take it because it's supposed to tell you whether or not you have an STD and it tells you you're negative and then you go and you spread HIV across half the eastern seaboard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it has real implications. It does. It does. I think, yeah, I think that she probably in her mind thought that they were going to get there. But, but then you see missteps as she did. Like, okay, then you entered into this partnership with Walgreens. But, but I think that what you said about... The person who went from Walgreens who brought all their concerns, right? Because, which I, which I, what I love about the story is like the bigger conversation. Right. Like we always say, nobody had a question about this. You know, when you and I always say, this had to go a through levels. People, there's a board, and nobody like this passed the entire right. board. Right. Everybody was like, yay, yes, right, yes, we're gonna pass this commercial with blackface, right? Yes. Right, we're going to have the sweater with blackface. Yes, yeah. nobody said, everybody, oh, this could be racist, right? It's like, okay, no, everybody's voicing concerns about you know the implications for people's health, but meh, it's okay. No. Um, but again, I think. It has to. It goes in. You know, which you and I have talked about before, and kind of is like, kind of a, an umbrella topic of conversation, in terms of socially, kind of where we are. You know, you assume that because somebody is smart and they went to Stanford, and you know, they have, excuse right. me, they have all these characteristics that they must be doing something wonderful. They have to know what they're doing. They have to be doing something wonderful. So you know, all other logic and reason goes out the window, right? Yeah, because it's it's very telling that. They interviewed some guy who knew her as a kid or whatever, or a teacher, I forget. But as a child, you know, they asked her one time, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or, you know, she just, her answer was like, I just want to be a billionaire. Yeah. Like, I want to be, it wasn't, I want to be a scientist. It wasn't, I want to help people. It wasn't, you know, I want to change the world. Mm-hmm. It was, I want to be rich. I'm so happy you brought this up because I've been, as I said, I've been <laughs> living and eating this story forever because I think it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating for the same reason the Fire Festival was fascinating. Yeah. You know, when, when I was watching that documentary, and I'm sure everybody who oh, watched it Andy. was thinking the same thing. It's like, did he at one point really think he was going to pull it off? Was he just delusional? See, with him, I don't think he was delusional. I think with him, he maybe he did think he would do it, but... I, again, I think he's just he's he's a sociopath. Like I think because he has told so many lies throughout his life 
that he just started believing because like with himself. the fire festival he promised a specific experience it's not like hey guys let's get together here at the beach and you know right. we're gonna have music and food and you know have a great time he he offered a very specific yep. product so it's like did you at one point nobody would really notice believe that you because you know what maybe at one point you did believe that you could produce that you could provide that right you sold that but a week you out. got in over your head because you know we all get it over get in over our heads it happens you got in over your head and you're like shit this is not going to happen. I mean, I think once you start asking your 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 team to go give head to get the water out. To get the water out of customers. I, that's the part where you have to stop and think, this might not happen. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, can we officially call that the line moving forward? I would say that's probably <laughs> the line. That's, the, I mean, you know. I just think it's really interesting that he, you know, he took mouthwash. And I always wondered why, why mouthwash? It's not like, never mind. Actually, I have a theory. Yeah? Yeah, because if you... Well, I mean, you know, you don't know the other person, and you don't know their, their sexual history, and when you brush your teeth, mm-hmm. it can loosen some blood, and then in that in that you know exchange, you could contract an STD. So with mouthwash, you're not... You know, you don't have bleeding gums. Bueno, shifting gears a little bit, okay. uh, kind of a quick little nitbit a I want to talk about. A joy before we get into it. And obviously here in the podcast in our 55 episodes, we've talked many times about Trump and lo yep. que que dice el hombre and you know as we said in episode 1, it's no secret that I am not a Trumper. We're not fans. I'm not a Republican. We're not fans, but we're also not going to bash for the sake of bashing. Right. Uh did you hear about the current um <laughs> kind of like Dug out of nowhere attack that he made on John McCain again. I heard about it, but I... So he tweeted a few days ago. Uh, I don't even know what the original tweet was, but he said something along the lines of like, spreading the fake and totally discredit dossier. Because John McCain, and one of the the last things he did before he retired, well, he had to retire um, because he was sick. There was this dossier that he that he gave the administration and that in part had was one of the reasons why he voted against uh the tax the 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 repeal of Obamacare. Okay. Okay. Well, just okay. put that okay. in the okay. in the back okay. burner. Anyway, so he said something like uh spreading the fake and totally discredited dossier is unfortunately a very stark stain against John McCain. He had far worse stains than this, including two thumbs down from the from repeal and replace after years of campaigning to repeal and replace. So, you know, they're, you know, he's kind of bashing John McCain. Right. Uh, Megan McCain shot back and was like, she's a spitfire. Leave, you know, leave my father alone and you are pathetic and you will never be half of the man that my right. father was, who's loved by, you know, well, was a respected, if nothing else, he's a respected war veteran. Right, who's loved by everybody and mm-hmm. respected. So what I always ask you, or you ask me, or we talk about when good old Trump <laughs> says something. So do you think this is a new low, talking about somebody who passed away, especially but, recently? But okay, we've already dug past China. How, how, we've already dug the hole past China. How much lower can we go? <laughs> I mean... It's just, I mean, I say how many. Look, me parece with him is that he just wakes up and he's just like, 
he kind of just like scrolls and scrolls and scrolls, and he's like, "What today? <sighs> There's nothing really to talk about." Okay, let me pull out my greatest hits mm-hmm. and just keep, you know, <laughs> and keep going. He's like that cover band that yeah. just kind of keeps doing the same hits, and then you know, the groupies show up and they're all just like, "Yeah, you know, play Freebird," <laughs> you know, like that's that's what I feel sometimes with him because it's like, "Es siguiendo la misma cantaleta con la misma cosa." I and, compare him to the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas. Bite your damn tongue because that buffet is from God himself. When I went to the Bellagio the first time when it opened, a couple of years after it opened, I went and I said, there could never be a more beautiful hotel than the Bellagio. It's like amazing. It's, it's, I mean, you've been, it's, it's beautiful. Like, no, there could not be a more beautiful hotel. Well, Come in a few years later and go to the encore or to the to right, the to win yeah. to the win, yeah. and it's like, oh my god, this cannot this be a can, more beautiful. No, no, right, this right, can right. is the most beautiful hotel I've ever seen. <laughs> Although I really want to go to the, uh, the the Four Seasons in Hong Kong, but anyway, um, yeah, we're decidedly not going there in June. No, no. <laughs> anyway, so I compare it to the Bellagio <laughs> because it's like right when he says something, I'm like, no, it can't this get any it. worse. This That's it. it. I mean, this he's hit rock bottom. I mean, he, there it can't be any. You know what though? Actually, I, can, I, I take I mean, that back. I mean, Orita, he's going to be start. He's going to start tweeting dead baby jokes, and his base is going to be like, yeah. Yeah, we don't want them dead dead babies here. Send those dead ba- them dead dead babies somewhere else. He's those gonna are be dead getting, anchor babies. He's he's gonna start making dead baby jokes, and his base is gonna go along with it. Like yeah, and it's like oh, humanity, humanity. <laughs> so yeah, I just when I think he can't get worse <laughs> than what he's gotten, it's he like keeps going. surprise. He keeps going. You know, una cajita sorpresa. Una cajita sorpresa. Oh my god. So yeah, uh, but you. But you know, you know what does restore my faith in humanity? Deeming good food. I oh, see. Well, yeah. I mean, you and I, as anybody who follows us on Instagram knows, you and I have become like gluttons. I mean, we, we, we go to. I mean, I've always gone to the opening of a garage door. Like I go to anything. Yeah. But you and I together now, we go to. We eat a lot and we get fed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, this. What's keto? What's keto? Ki- unless you mean you know buffet. Uh, that's I don't. I don't know what you mean. So, but this past Saturday, I had the absolute pleasure and honor, um, you couldn't make it, of going to Sakaya Kitchen pop-up at the Citadel. I was at the Bellagio. And you <laughs> If only. <laughs> he was conducting the water fountain, the water <laughs> the thing water outside. Fountain. Oh, my God. That must be so tiresome. <laughs> Dios mío. That's why you have nice triceps. Because, yeah. you know, just going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had the pleasure, the extreme pleasure of interviewing uh, Chef Richard Hales, who is the owner of Sakaya Kitchen, uh, Sakaya Kitchen Pop-Up. He has, he's an award-winning chef. He's been on the Food Network. He's actually really good friends with Guy Fieri. Oh, yeah. Um, Guy Fieri is the godfather of his daughters. Yeah, well, Guy Fieri went to Sakaya Kitchen. Yeah, well, okay, but I don't think everybody who he features on Diners, Diamonds, and Of course and Drives he does. They is, all become BFFs. They all become, <laughs> he's the godfather of all the children out there. Yeah. Um, and he fed us. Yes, I saw. And fed us. I saw. And fed us. I saw. And it was so good. And I had never been to Sakaya Kitchen before. You have. I had never been. Well, actually, I've mentioned to you before. I lived downtown for some time, and Sakaya Kitchen. I used to go to Sakaya Kitchen at least weekly, and it was. It is. I mean, honestly, it's one of the things I missed from from living downtown because it's just so. It's so delicious, and it's not expensive at all. And it's such. It's, the location where it's at is great. There's parking. 
Yeah, well, there's parking at this place too. Yeah, which is which so. Is I mean, I absolutely love Sakai Kitchen. So I was really bummed that I couldn't make the interview. But yeah, you know. but so you'll see. Um, we're gonna post videos on our YouTube channel of all of the delicious meals and with explanations and, and details by Richard Hales. Um, but the good thing about this interview, I mean, I know obviously he's a chef, but we also discussed a lot of non-chef things. He actually went through some really, really. Um, life-changing events recently mm-hmm. he had a lot of uh you know health scares and things like that um and we just i think talked about things that he probably doesn't get the opportunity to talk about a lot of times which is mm-hmm. non-food mm-hmm. things and it was absolutely fantastic you get to know the and man behind the food you do and and i think so rarely we do that with chefs yeah. so yeah. hope you guys enjoy it um i had a fantastic time talking to him and even a better time eating all the food <laughs> so here's an interview with chef richard hales Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, welcome back, listeners. So as we mentioned, we are here with Chef Richard Hales. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank it's, you. It's, uh, great, it, to, it's great to meet you. It's a huge honor because I know you're, you know, you're, you're, you're renowned. You've been on Food Network. You've got your kitchen here, and we're, we're actually recording this in the Citadel, in the heart of uh, Little Haiti, right? Yeah, we're in here Little in Haiti. Yeah, yeah, and it's a new Sakaya Kitchen uh, location. Right. I forgot the word for location for a second there. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> it's a, we're doing a, a pop up basically for our tenth year. Oh, wow. In operation, so we are actually going to do a barbecue spot here at the Citadel, and I figured since it's our tenth year, huge accomplishment for us. We're very proud. Let's do a pop up while we're building that out. No, that's listen. Anything that lasts ten years, we hope to last ten yeah, years. I so, know. congrats on that alone. Thank you. But I also wanted to, you know, aside from all these accomplishments that you've had, which are obviously things to be very proud of and should be celebrated, also wanted to have you on the show because. Um, Recently, you were featured in the Miami New Times, and you know it kind of talked about obviously all of the great accomplishments you've done. But right. here at Pedro, let me tell you, we love to celebrate accomplishments that are done almost in the face of like 
adversity, if you yeah. will, and people were not they didn't let it stop them at all. And um, so recently, you've had a couple of setbacks. Yeah. You, um, had I mean, you can go into it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I'm not going to launder this. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I was sick really starting in 2017, and I wasn't feeling great. Uh, I was seeing many, many doctors, many different types of doctors, and uh, nobody could really sort of figure it out. And then um, I had bronchitis and uh, uh, some stomach problems, and the doctor did an endoscopy, and he, at, at that moment, he said, you know, I see something in your throat, and, and that what turned out to be thyroid cancer. Jesus so he sent me to get a scan. The, the the technician doing the scan, he said, man, you know, you really need to see the doctor right away. It was a pretty scary moment. Mm-hmm. And he said, but I can't tell you what's going on, but you need to see him. And then That's the worst. Just, yeah, when they're the just worst. like, it's horrible, but I can't tell you why. Oh, I, I lay down and he started the scan and he went, oh, <laughs> like that. And I said, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and he's like, no, no, it's not like stammered. You know, it's nothing. And I said, oh, my God, what, what is it? You know, <laughs> so he just said, just make sure you go see the doctor. So I did. And, uh, you know, when they were doing the surgery, I had to get a ton of um, MRIs and scans. And I, I have known that I've had a, a brain tumor for about eight years prior. Wait, wait. You had a brain tumor for eight years. For eight years. And you yeah. were just like, meh, I'm just going to go ahead and keep building a restaurant <laughs> empire right. even though. Exactly. I didn't tell anybody. It wasn't really public information. Of course, my family knew. Um, but from that, you know, I'd get tons of headaches. It affected my vision. I would be nauseous a lot. Um, but, you know, I, I really kind of like put it to the side and I didn't expect it to be anything that was unusual mm-hmm. to me. I just felt like I was uh, almost like a three legged dog. You know, have you ever seen a three legged dog? They don't care it's or realize they, they don't realize that they're missing a leg. They just keep running right. as they do. And so um, during the process of all the MRIs and scans for the thyroid cancer, they realized that one I have actually two brain tumors, and I still have one now as, as we're talking. As we're speaking, yes. there's still yeah. one in there. There's still one in there, yes. So the the one that was the largest one. And I hate to interrupt you, but listeners, I mean, you look at this guy, you know, all six foot four of them, and it's just like you don't think that there's a brain know, tumor in I there. He's I, just, you know. I, I, not to not to drop names, but I will since we're on a <laughs> podcast. But I'm good friends with Guy Fieri, which most if people, I was good friends with Guy Fieri, I'd name <laughs> drop that day and night. Uh, which most people know uh, that, um, but those that don't, I'm, I'm, he's like the godfather of my kids, and so we're very close. We, we love each other. Um, he always says that because when I told him I had a brain tumor, and he's known me for many years, and he's like I said, godfather and all this, and. Right. I told him in very monotone tone that I speak, <laughs> hey, I, I know you're going to find out, but I just want to let you know that I have a brain tumor. And he's like, yeah, I know you want to find out. What the? Are you, are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> so I, I, that's just the way it's been. But as they were doing the scans to get back to the story is uh, they realized that one of them was growing. And so they had to take it out. And the doctor said, look, you're young, you're healthy. Mm-hmm. Let's get it out now. Um, I know you've been kind of putting it off, but it needs to come out now. So they did that in uh, the uh, January. So they had to let my throat heal from the cancer surgery, and then um, in January I had the brain tumor taken so out. Two months ago, two months. We're ago, in yeah. March. Yeah, two months ago yeah. you had 
Brain surgery. Brain surgery, yeah. Yeah. That is insane to me to be sitting here looking yeah. at you like, meh, nothing, you know, no big wolf. Everything's, <laughs> right. you know, hunky-dory right. now. Again, to go back to the to the article for a second, I think I read in there that like literally about a week after you were in, you were recovering at home, you were trying out new recipes. Yeah, they. I had my guys. Well, I was texting immediately from the recovery room to my guys, and I did say that joke about, "Hey, I'm alive, motherfuckers." That's what I actually <laughs> said. That paper didn't print that. I'm alive, motherfuckers. <laughs> Get back to work, and then they all LOL'd me, and you know everybody was very happy. I, you know, and I honestly didn't realize the impact that. Um, mm-hmm. You know that it had on my staff. I I never really told them. I always hid it from them. I always hid all the doctors' mm-hmm. appointments or the nausea or being sick from them. And right. and then it turned out to be very you know inspirational for them, which I was happy because I I didn't want them to worry. They're not that they're my kids, but they're you know we're like a family and right, we right. we have a small business. And I just didn't want them worrying. I want them focused on you know uh, what they were doing. So and they only helped me. They helped me be sick. And not have to worry about things at work. So I didn't want everybody on board the, yeah. you know, and Freaking I didn't out. want any pity or anything or anything like that because people freak out. I freaked out when when somebody tells you you have a brain tumor. It all the all the breath just leaves your body. You 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 feel like you know you feel like collapsing. You 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 just don't know, especially if you don't know if you're going to live or you're going to die. Yeah. You know, and it was a very difficult, you know, you tell your mom and you know, everybody's a crying. Conversation to it's have a to horrible have, yeah. conversation. But I'm blessed. I'm lucky. I mean, I'm standing here. I'm doing this podcast. I'm blessed to do that. Yeah, I mean, I am blessed. I mean, to, to have thyroid cancer and, and be able to have cancer, not an aggressive cancer, mm-hmm. and then have a brain tumor that's benign, right. have a second brain tumor that's benign. You know, yeah. is uh, I'm I'm lucky, and I look at it that way, and that's how I was able to do that. It was actually, you know, two weeks after I had surgery, I could barely walk. To be honest with you, I had to really drug myself up on painkillers, and I came here and I opened this location, and I was here for like 14 hours. Wait, you opened this location after two weeks after the scar two was still. Fr- I still had stitches in the back of my head, the sutures from. Christ. They hadn't even come out yet from the surgery. But anybody, everybody, the way I looked at it, I was like, look, they're only going to see the front side of you. So just keep smiling, you know, and mm-hmm. greet everybody and, you know, let the guys know that if you, you know, fall on the ground, somebody try to catch me. <laughs> so I bust my head open. Well, you're a big guy, so I'm thinking it's multiple yeah. people who are going <laughs> right. to have to try to catch right. you. Serious trust fall. But, okay, let, I'm just going to, I'm just trying to figure out, because, I mean, Obviously, you know, myself and my, my co-host, DJ, couldn't be here today. Um, you know, we're Hispanic, so we're Latino. So on some level, we kind of understand that whole mentality of, like, don't let anybody know. Right. Don't freak anybody out. You know, right. you have to just kind of keep things moving forward. And, you know, I, I know that your grandmother was was Filipina or is Filipina. Yes. I don't know if she's passed. Um, she passed. She yeah. passed. Um, was Filipina. And yeah. You know, we've said actually on the show a couple of times that, you know, Latinos and Filipinos, right. very similar, right. you know, yeah. culturally, food wise, yeah. just, you know, family wise and things yeah. like that. Do you feel that there was a little bit of that Filipino like 
Yeah, you yeah. know, fortitude, for, just for kind of sure. like for keep sure. going. For sure, yeah, because my grandmother has her her first name was Corazon. You know, I mean, it's like uh, <laughs> how beautiful is that? <laughs> so you know, very Spanish. She spoke Spanish, and the the, the language that they have there, Lucano, that's mixed with Spanish. Yeah. The food that we ate, I mean, I grew up on, on adobo, which I love, but they have lechon and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just the same rice, pork. Um, the, I'm attracted to the Latin culture because of that. I, I, I didn't understand it when I was young because I was like, man, why do I love all these Cuban girls? <laughs> like, what's going on here? I didn't realize it was, like, in my blood. You, you grew know? up in Tampa, right? I'm from Tampa, yeah, yeah. so... You know, I, I grew up with all my friends were were Cubans, uh, you know, Puerto Rican. I mean, I grew up in a in a Latin culture, even though my family is as, looks as white bread as you can possibly be. Right. But it's been the story of my life. Even when I w- I'm an Asian chef, but when you look at me, I'm a white boy. You yeah, know, well, so the, the force is strong, though. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it's uh, those midichlorians. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, I feel it in my blood. You know, I, I love mm-hmm. to. Uh, I mean, I'm again. It's embarrassing to say, a big white guy, but I love to dance and I love all that stuff that typically white men do not do. You know, and my wife, yeah, <laughs> my wife's Latina, and you know, mm-hmm. my kids, their first language was Spanish. Yeah, you know, so they're gorgeous. By the way, your daughters are so cute. Yeah, they're super cute. They they just <laughs> melt my heart. I'm everything that I did for all of that was first for myself to be healthy, my wife and my kids. I mean, you can't. Yeah. I had the easy part of this whole like journey of being not well. They had the hard part. You know, my kids had to mm-hmm. deal with it. My wife had it. Is still dealing with it. She's like my caretaker. You know. Yeah, I have to say when I read about the letter that you left. That, I mean, they opened the article with it. If you guys right. haven't read it yet, please go check it out. We'll be posting links. Just that opening part of yeah. it, 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 it broke my heart. Yeah. Like, and I, that speaks to what you're saying, where it's like, you know, God forbid, knock on Formica. I don't know if this <laughs> would. Um, you know, something happened. That's the right. hard part. And, it, it you know, I, I met your wife, you know, a little right. while ago, and she just seems like, again, strong Miami Latina woman. <laughs> She's just going to kick ass anyway. So, she is. you know. She's very tough, and it was tough on her, and we, we had a moment. You know, she didn't want to read that letter, first of all. I wrote it. I told her that I had written the letter, and I said, I'm going to email it to you, which, you know, I, I didn't handwrite it. But, How uh, 2019 is that? I like, know. I'm going to email you this letter. <laughs> I'm going to put it on a schedule so you'll get yeah. it. And she refused to look at it at first and said, I'll look at it if something happens. And no, I want you to look at it now because I want to know if you have any questions. And I verbalized a lot of things to her, and those are the things that I felt like I needed to write down in case there was any issues uh, for her. Um, You know, so it's tough. And then she's a very tough woman. She's a Scorpio. So she, she, you know, she, uh, she holds everything in. She didn't show any emotions, mm-hmm. and I told her at one point. I said, "Look, man, you got to cry, or you got to get pissed. Let it out. You got to get something that you know. What I'm saying, I, I don't want you to implode or explode. You know, like at any given time. I want you to be. I want you to be healthy through this process. You yeah, know, absolutely, absolutely. So, going back to you though." I, I, I did my research a little bit, so I, I know a little bit about your background. Thank you. I 
definitely think, though, that your strength, it's not something that just popped up now. Yeah. I mean, just reading up on you, I think you've definitely been somebody who's been a bit headstrong yeah. uh, in your in your decisions. Yeah. Some might say reading up on it a little impetuous, um, yeah. <laughs> which is not a bad thing to be. Right. Again, this entire podcast started because of a right. whim. So right, right. I, I, I'm a fan of impetuous. Right. But can you take us back a little bit? You know, it's you, you've, you went to culinary school, right? Yeah. I think you, you actually started off as a baker. Yeah, I was was in Tampa, and I was, you know, again, with the Cuban culture, so I was just so interested in Cuban bread. How do you make Cuban bread? (laughs) Lard. Yeah, I know. It's just lard. Lard, flour, and water. That's pretty much (laughs) it. Broke the secret. (laughs) Done. (laughs) So I was just intrigued by the whole process, and I had a friend that owned a bakery, and, he, you know, he went there. I went there, and he said, look, you can work for us uh, just delivering, or you can sort of learn the craft of it so i decided to learn about it and then um i went with another guy and we opened a a bakery that uh i did sort of the business part he was already a baker and and Mm -hmm. i did the deliveries for it so um i just kind of i not that i could say i outgrew tampa because my parents would absolutely kill me because (laughs) it's like that's still my home according to they're still there they're still there yeah they 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 won't be leaving there um (laughs) but uh every time i say that to my dad like oh i'm going home to miami and i used to live in new york city he was like tampa's your home you know like (laughs) so anyways i i did that and i i I just kind of like felt like i was sitting there one day and i was like you know is this it is this it for me is this my life living in tampa running a bakery and I said no. So I I sold I sold my part. I sold all my property and everything. And I I enrolled into the French Culinary Institute in New York City, Manhattan. And wow. I left. I left like a few weeks later, which very. So wait, my you, dad was like, okay, oh, you, oh, you well, left Tampa a few weeks I left later. Tampa, okay, okay, okay. and I went to New York City and uh, like wide eyed. And <laughs> I had been to New York City one time before, but you know I was twenty six years old when I went. Um, and uh, I mean, it was just a huge culture shock going from Tampa, and I and I think some of the younger listeners, the millennial, younger, early twenties, the world was much different without Instagram, yep. without the internet. People uh, weren't connected. You were not connected, so you didn't know this was up about to what, the what minute. Year? 1996. Oh, yeah, no. The internet so, was a infancy it was of a in, thought. In, yeah. You had email and stuff like that, and you could look at websites, but you didn't have that instant information right. that you have now. Or you didn't have people taking pictures of every second of their life. So trends happen much slower. Yep. You know, And they lasted longer. And they lasted longer. So, you know, they would filter out from new york city but it would take two years for it to get to florida you know <laughs> <true>. so <laughs> and especially tampa you know i mean we well just pony express right yeah. <laughs> so going there was just a massive massive shock it was just a massive shock culture shock to me to live and then to sort of immerse myself in um you know my best friend was from south africa um, another friend of mine was a, a girl escaping her Mormon parents. Oh, wow. You know, from um, the West Coast. You know, a Japanese guy from Tokyo. Um, my my culinary partner, her, her dad was a police officer in the Bronx. His father was a police officer. His father. So she was like this white Irish racist as hell, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, and it was just this like oh, such a melting pot I New know. York is, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was like truly, and I was just amazed, and I loved it, and I started cooking. I cooked at the French Culinary Institute, and I loved it, and I was making a ton of money with the at the time, a ton of money for me as a 26 year old at oh, the yeah. bakery, and then I went from making to making no money, and I loved my life more then than I did you know with the money so yeah. it was a big learning lesson for me like you don't need the money to be happy so I that's what's guided my career i went i worked for a great chef right after that um called patricia williams and drew neeprint that's his group and then john george was which is still my mentor i worked for him and worked for him for no money just to be just to work for him because i had no experience, experience exactly you know it's- so Listener's experience is, speaks volumes. Yeah. Never forget that. Sometimes but you gotta that, make those sacrifices. To go back to being that, I mean, that all of that is just like moves to. How long were you, you in know, New York? Uh, all total, about eight years. Oh wow! So okay. uh, the first, I went back for two years with my wife in '06, but uh, and to '08. But I had, um, you know, so I've been here in Miami a long time. But you know, just that that sort of need to for change and to be impetuous um it got me the job at john george um a buddy of mine girlfriend broke up with him and he had a ticket to thailand so i went to thailand i quit my job and then i don't even think we would have this akai kitchen that we have today if i wouldn't have taken that trip because i i started uh you know years of going to asia and backpacking i'd go to a restaurant i'd eat something I'd go to the owner or the chef and say, look, I'm going to work here for free. I'll mop, I'll wash dishes, I'll load things, whatever you want me to do. I just want to learn that one dish, and I'll do it for free as long as it takes for me to learn that dish. And I would do that like a week here, a week there, and in Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, you know, Korea, Japan. How long um, were you through all of Asia? I would go... Uh, the first time I went, I was there for a month, and I realized that a month feels like a second, you know? Yeah. Um, so then I'd start going for two or three months, and the longest that I would be there uh, was around six months. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. So And then I would go back to New York and make some money, and then I'd go back. Oh, so you'd, you'd go back and forth? I'd okay. go back I and forth. I thought it was just a straight, like, no. plow no, through. Go, and I would go for, you know, the minimum a month at a time, and then I'd go mm-hmm. go back and forth. So... And people that travel know when you travel like that and you take a month off, you you feel like you learn more than you would learn in a year. Yeah. Just waking up, going to work, coming home, watching TV, going to sleep, going to work. You know, yeah. it's well, just you're immersed in the culture that way. Immersed. And, and you, I mean, it's, you got to take it for all it's worth because, you know, your time is limited. Right. Yeah. Some um, some friends of ours, actually, they're um, they used to have a podcast called Us the Wanderers. And they're doing just that. They oh, wow. they go around and they they're not chefs, but um, they'll be living in all of like Southeast Asia and, and areas, and they'll just do the work. You know, they'll they'll be the, the handyman for right, right. some off the beaten path place. It's great. And it's, it's they, great idea. It's their second round now doing it. Oh, so, good. Yeah, it's they're awesome. loving it. Yeah. So, all right. So you 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 do the you go to Asia. You know, you're going back and forth. At what point? Do you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to take all this knowledge that I've acquired because, I mean, it's a shit ton of knowledge at this point, you know, with, with all the traveling and all of the, you know, internships, shall we call them, right. that you're doing over in Asia. And you say, I can do this. I can mount my own, you know, my, my own place, my, right. create my own experience, right. you know. 
Well, I, I, I was actually in Hong Kong. Um, the John George's group had found out that I was traveling, and I wasn't in Hong Kong, that I was traveling in Asia, and they contacted me and asked me if I'd come to Hong Kong and help out uh, somebody that had come from New York that I worked under, mm-hmm. um, just transition into the, his new role there. So while I was there, um, it was at a Mandarin, and then they were about to open the Mandarin Oriental here on Brooklyn Key. Oh, okay. And yeah. they said, you know what, would you like to do the same thing for the Mandarin? And I came in, and that's when they hired me as the Asian chef. You know, that's <laughs> what my card said, Asian chef. It was real funny. Then a big white you know, white guy with blue eyes, you know. Were they surprised, to say yeah, the they least? they were a little bit surprised. Oh, this guy's coming from Hong Kong. Right, right. You know, and uh, he's he's our new Asian chef. And then I show up, you know, like a German, uh, Irish, you know, blood face. Uh, <laughs> so, um I did that, and then I, I just realized all of that great experience, and I'm not putting down that position or where I was at, but here I am backpacking through Asia. i working for John George in New York, mm-hmm. and then I was at the Mandarin, and I was in the cafe, what used to be called Cafe Sambal. And, you know, it was like fire the black cod, fire, you know, lobster, fire chicken fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Just everything's yeah, a fire. like fire, done. you know, French fries and a well-done filet. I'm like, oh, fuck, where am I at? Did I fall off a cliff? And again, I looked at it and took what I what may, may be the negative, I turned it into a positive. I looked around and I said, you know what, this is a great company. This is somebody that I could probably grow with. Right. And I do love Miami. I love the women here, so I don't want to leave. <laughs> Um, and I said, you know, can I switch into the front of the house? And I figured uh, they were so fucked up at the time. <laughs> they had no clue what they were doing. I said, they won't notice that I don't know what I'm doing in the front of the house. <laughs> so they made me assistant manager for Michelle Bernstein's uh, Zool at that time. Awesome. They had a great guy coming in, and he really taught me everything about running the business. And I knew that's what I wanted. So I was a, I was assistant manager, and then I became a sommelier um, and then uh, corporate wine director ultimately in New York City for the Mandarin, and that took eight years, uh, two years in New York, and eight years. And I'm getting to your question. With so I took all of that, the culinary school, the bakery, the you know experience in Asia, right. the experience as a som, and ultimately wine director, hotel experience, and just took all of that, and then just realized, okay. I'm ready to open up my own spot, you know. Right. And then I, when I opened up my own spot, I realized how fucking stupid I was, and I was not ready to open my own spot, and how much support you get in another business. So, but I took all of that backpacking experience, and I opened uh, uh, Sakai Kitchen in 2009, okay. and that's the reason. I just felt ready, and and we didn't really know what we were doing. I mean, it. But just, nobody ever does. Yeah. Nobody ever does. Like you always listen to these success stories. You know, everybody's just like. I kind of thought, why yeah, not? I know. I'll give it a shot. You and, know? I'll, and I'll be honest. I've had a lot of success in this city, and I really feel like this is the first year I really know what I'm doing. I really, really feel like we have our act together. We have the right they have the right infrastructure in place, the right managers, the right, you know, now we have accounting and HR. We have a CFO. We have all of have this like stuff. Staff, we right? have like, staff, <laughs> you know, and I'm here just like, you know, fucking around. But... Uh, <laughs> 
you know, I feel like this is where we really have, we really truly know, and we're not just faking it till you make it sort of, sort of thing, you right. know. Now I'm going to touch on something because you said that you love the women here in Miami. <laughs> now I know you're currently married, but I do recall reading that you met your wife in probably one of the most Miami of Miami right, places. Right, it's okay. a Miami story. It's uh, you met your wife in Purdy Lounge. Yes. And for listeners who don't know Purdy Lounge, it's been around. I think it was literally the second thing that Henry Flagler created when he got to Miami. It's been around <laughs> that long. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> so why don't you tell her? Because I, I love that story. I thought yeah. it's a very cute story how you guys met. It's uh, it is a good story. I uh, I remember parts of it because I was so drunk that night. But um, again, you were at Purdy. That's how <laughs> we you were do at Purdy. Purdy, and I was having a great time at Purdy. I uh, thought that that was like a candy store for uh, for Latin women <laughs> at that time. And I know I sound like a big pig right now, and it's we're in the middle of Me Too. But you know, but I'm it's a, in the, like, it, but it's all in the best. You met it, your wife there, right? So. I met my wife. I mean, we we beat the odds on that. So we yeah. I was there on one of the nights, and um. We were actually uh, standing at the bar, and my wife was actually leaving at the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, um, a friend of mine, he's a chef at Sea uh, Spice, Angel Leon. He uh, he stopped them. It was three of them, and it was three of us. And he said, "Look, one, two, three, one, two, three. It's a perfect match." <laughs> it's and, math. Yeah, I know. It's like you know, and we, uh, you know, you guys want drinks or whatever, and we start chit chatting with them. Um, I was 32 at the time, and my wife was 21, so okay. it was like a big difference. And um, I look over, and I see her speaking to Angel, and um, I grab her by the arm like a Neanderthal, and I just <laughs> yank her. I mean, I'm so drunk, I don't even know my strength at that moment. Oh, no. And I yank her, and she comes and she's fly- a bit smaller yeah, than you. I know. <laughs> she flies, like literally flies into me so hard, I like almost fell on the bar and um she laughed the whole time with her leg up i swear i swear i saw her (laughs) leg up if i remember anything her leg was up and i said you know what she laughed Uh, that was the first thought in my head she laughed and she didn't like run away so oh it's a good sign that was a good sign that was the first you know thing that i did with her and then we were talking i couldn't remember her name but she was wearing a uh a puma shirt so i just kept calling her puma (laughs) And then when I saw her, actually, the next time, I still didn't know her name, but I was too embarrassed to ask her. So for about two weeks, I called her Puma. (laughs) (laughs) And she thought it was cute, and I played it off like, oh, yeah, it's your new nickname. But really, I didn't know her name. (laughs) And um, that night, I left to go to the bathroom. um, And uh, I don't know, some guy stepped on my foot or I stepped on his foot. I mean, Purdy's packed. Anybody that's gone there. And I almost get in a fist fight. I knock this guy on the ground. I just, like, grab him by the face and push him to the ground like a total idiot Neanderthal. And then the bouncer comes to kick me out. He comes, and I said, wait, 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 wait. I'm just about to get this girl's phone number. So he's like, all right, I'll give you, like, five minutes, but you better be meet me at the door. You're out. Make him count. Because he knew me. I had been going there a lot. Yeah, you're regular. I was a regular. And um, so I go straight back to the bar. Don't even go to Jenny. Don't even give a shit. <laughs> Just straight back to the bar. Start doing shots with my buddies. And um, then I then he taps me on the shoulder, the bouncer. He's like, all right, get out. Oh, no, here, here, here's 40 bucks. And I gave him, like, I think I had 40 bucks in my pocket. <laughs> Let me just get her phone number. And he waited with his hand on my shoulder while I got her phone number. 
And I was so drunk, and I had a BlackBerry. I mean, I'm sure most that, people We're dating <laughs> ourselves here with a BlackBerry, yeah. I had a BlackBerry. I couldn't dial it. I couldn't key it in, so I asked her to do it. And she keyed in her phone. She put Puma on there. And uh, I went to call her the next week to see if she was going to Purdy. And um, I call, and it was the wrong number. And I was like, wow, what, what the hell? This fucking girl, if I see her... And then I said, you know what? I'm looking at the number. And she had told me her phone number. And I'm just staring at my BlackBerry. And I said, you know what? This number's not right. Was it like nine numbers? No, it was it was the right amount of digits. But I was like, it's just there's the number wrong. And the second to the last number, I changed to what I thought it would be. And I called it, and it was her. Uh, so your drunken stupor was <laughs> to blame. And you were all getting ready to be upset at her. Right. So, But I just couldn't believe. And I thought it was... Some sign because I'm like, how could I have picked that right number? You know, that's true. Like, what 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 is happening here? So I called her for three weeks straight. She was saying she was studying. She was a UM student. She was studying for finals. Fellow Kane. All right. Yeah. So she didn't go out. And then the third time that I had asked her out, I was about to say, I my mind, I was saying as I was hanging up, I was just like, you know, fuck this girl, you know, whatever. I'm not. Gonna call her again. I gotta and, chase somebody. And yeah. she said to me, um, "You know, I, I think I need to see you because I'm be- uh, beginning to believe that you don't exist." <laughs> and I was like, "You know what? If she didn't want to see me, she wouldn't have said that." So I gave her one more week, and we went out the next week, and the rest is history. Here we are. How yeah. long ago was that? Eighteen years ago. Wow. <laughs> wow. Eighteen years. We Congrats. went to Las Vacas Gordas on our first date. We met at Purdy. I mean, you're talking like Miami. Yeah, that's a that's a Miami yeah. Beach like triumvirate right. yeah, situation I know. there. I know. That's so. awesome. That's awesome, man. So before we go, I mean you you're from Tampa. You know, you've lived in New York. I've lived in New York, so I I, I, I get the New York, you know, New York is cool. You've lived in Asia, that's gotta have its own vibe. But you know, you've been in Miami now for, for a Eight, well, eight, 16 years. Yeah, a significant amount of time. Yeah. You know, what would you say? I mean, you know, you've got your, your restaurant. It's got an Asian influence. It's, you know, but what, what would you say is that that makes Miami Miami? You know, that has made you want to stay here so long. I mean, all businesses aside, you know, because obviously right. one could say, well, it's because my business has been successful. And so why would I leave? But what is it about Miami itself? I mean, I... I it took me a while. It took me about two years to get used to Miami. Um, mm-hmm. I really love Florida. Mm-hmm. I'm a Florida boy. I really feel something inside me when I'm in Florida, like it's mm-hmm. home for me. Um, but I think it's the the excitement of the people here. I, whether they annoy you or not, <laughs> like people are too loud. Or I love that that was your go-to. Yes. They annoy you. <laughs> if they're ignorant or not or they're smart, I think that um, – just the people are exciting. The place is exciting. You know, it's a beautiful place to live. You have the water. I live on Miami Beach. I love. But it's just the the Latin culture. And I love it and I hate it because sometimes people are just fucking stupid here. And But I adore the culture, right. you know. And I think that that's infectious here. It's such a lively culture. Now I go back to New York and everybody looks gray. Looks like it, it looks like everybody's covered in gray dust, and they're they're miserable. You know what I'm saying? And I love California too, and I'm a big fan of California. But and I travel a lot. I mean, Jenny and I we travel over the years, many you know many different places. I've been all over the world, and every time I come back to Miami, 
I love it here more. Like when I'm in another culture and I even though I'll say like, oh, the restaurant scene's better here or this is better. I'm finding now that that's not the case with Miami anymore. It's changed a lot. It's changed a lot. Like the culture has changed in all industries, right? Yeah. Well, Entertainment, and, and, art. You across know, the board, yeah. And I'm honestly, very, it's, but it's due to people like yourself. Right. I'm well, going to go I'm ahead and say I'm happy that. to be part of the fabric and part of the change. You know, and I think that's what's exciting about Miami. It's always changing. It's too expensive here. It's, <laughs> that's I mean, a whole other podcast. That's that's, we we could sit thing, for hours on that one. I think that that's what's exciting about Miami. That's, it's about change and, and, and meeting people and, you know, loving it. You know, that, 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 that's, I guess that would be a good answer. Maybe I'll think of something better later, but (laughs) (laughs) I think I just love the people here. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, You know, for those of you who live in Miami or are visiting Miami or want to visit Miami, you know, I can't recommend enough. We're actually going to be eating a little bit now, so we'll we'll be posting about that on the YouTube channel um, and our Instagram. But, you know, I can't recommend enough. You guys make it out to the Citadel, you know, Sakaya Kitchen, Asian Fusion. It's, you know, everybody comes to Miami. Oh, Cuban food, Latin food, you know, take take a moment. To do something different, guys. You know, it's especially if you live here. Come on, how much ropa vieja can you have? <laughs> you know, damn it, try something different. Oh, I'm talking to all my Cuban people who are so damn set in their ways. But that's again, I'm, I'm getting off the off right. track here. I know you have a couple other restaurants as well, right? I um, do. I have uh, besides the Sky Kitchen in the Citadel, we have Sky Kitchen Midtown, which is in the Midtown right. Shops near the Target. Uh, we also have uh, Black Brick, which is in the Midtown Shops, which is my Chinese and dim sum restaurant. And then uh, we have uh, Bird and Bone, which is at the Confidant Hotel. And we do all the F&B there besides the, we do all the bars. We do the rooms, uh, functions, and uh, um, room service and all that. So but it's a great property. And, I mean, that that's a very quintessential Miami spot. If you ever go out to the Confidant and just sit by the pool, it's just it's, it's sort of mid-century modern Miami Beach, you know. And it's very, it's like a fabulous it really, you really feel fabulous, and then the fact that I'm doing the food there just puts it over the top. Well, that just elevates it tenfold, doesn't right. it? <laughs> it does. It does. Well, again, thank you again, Chef Hales. I thank mean, you. again, listening to your story is, you know, you, you've done a lot, but I think specifically in the last two months, just from an outsider perspective, you've proven that you're just not going to let some stupid-ass tumor or right. anything. I mean, if you're not going to let a tumor stop you from getting right. out here and opening up a restaurant, there's right. damn well little that is that will. Yeah, I mean, you just if you look at life, for me, if you just look at life, just do what makes you happy. And people always think that just that only applies to work, you know, or to making money. You know, do what you're happy and the, don't, the money will come. No, it's do, it, do what makes you happy in every aspect of your life. I could have sat there and commiserated and been waited on and nobody would have blamed me right you know the guy just had brain surgery but what made me happy was feeding people you know it's not about making money it's about coming out and socializing and feeding people and seeing people so that that to me is if anybody can take anything from it that's the inspiration well listeners there you have it thank you again man thank you and we're back they're probably looking for a new co-host of Wake Up San Francisco. Wake <laughs> up. Wake up San Francisco.
I'm DJ Borges. And I'm Ishiano. And even though we're not from San Francisco, we would love to host this fictitious show because now (laughs) Becky Kostopoulos got fired. Has she gotten fired from Full House? So she's not expected to return. Really? Well, I mean, she's not a series, right? You know, she's a guest star at most. But so actually, can... but, but wouldn't you think that because she's not a series guest star? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, she's a guest star, not a series regular in the reboot. Maybe. It's easier to write her out, quote unquote. Like, all they can do is just be like, you know, oh, Becky's on assignment. Mm-hmm. Oh, Becky is, you know, visiting whatever. And especially, I mean, the, the, new, the last season of Fuller House hasn't even been shot yet. That's why they don't know yet. But she was fired from. And her by the time that airs, it's going to be so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. Nowadays, people have a five minute. Memory. I, I, you know, I, I kind of have a problem with that. With people having five minutes. With memories? people being fired just because of, of a PR snafu. It's well, like, but she was also charged with a crime, and I mean, she oh. may go to jail. So I think, I think that's, I think that's more where they're coming from, like trying to hedge their uh, bets. I just think nowadays they just fire people for you know, it, it's like okay, you, you know, you're caught in some type of controversy, fired, done, yeah, done. Yeah, I, don't know. That, I mean, nobody yeah. fired Rob Lowe. That man doesn't age. No, but nobody fired him. Nobody fired him. Mary and Barry got uh, elected again. Yeah, right, though. You know? Yeah. Hey, whatever. Just let her play on so, Becky for two episodes. Man, I just really, really dated myself. Yes, we did. But anyway. Yes, we did. <laughs> so after all that delicious food, we I are thirsty, so thirsty, son of a bitches. <laughs> so who is your last uh, Coke of the Desert for? So I actually don't know who my last soda is right now, but I'm actually thinking I'm probably going to share yours. So go ahead and, and just. You know what? <laughs> Let's do a double. Sh- let's, let's do a, let's double, do a double Coke share. because my Coke, I I got this Coke because of you. Okay, fair okay. enough. So we're so, going to share a soda. So a couple of weeks ago, actually, when we recorded the interview with Punisher, yeah, with Gabriel, Gabriel. Our, good, our good friend Gabriel, yeah. um, you know, after we were just talking to him, with him, hanging out at like my place, and I don't know. Oh, he kind of rigged my fire. Yeah, he, TV, he, he, he did some tech stuff which, that helped. Thank you, Gabriel. Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway. As a result. Um, so we were there browsing through. through Baywatch came up. Baywatch came out. And then right. and I, I was the one who said something like, oh, my gosh, all 10 seasons of Baywatch <laughs> are available on Amazon. And then, you know, when you watch a show, it says like, oh, you may also enjoy right. other shows like this. And then Ish sees <laughs> Acapulco Heat. And okay, listeners. Okay. <laughs> I know that I've recommended many either YouTube moments or shows in the past, but you guys really need to look this up. (laughs) And preferably when you're home with your friends and you're drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, make it a thing. Like, get drunk, smoke some pot. So the show is called Acapulco Heat. And apparently it was supposed to be kind of like, it was supposed to ride on the success of Baywatch. Right. It was another syndicated hot people on the beach. Hot people on the beach in Acapulco. And, you know, these people were like detectives. What does, heat, what does HEAT stand for? Hemisphere Emergency Activation Team. Okay. And then they're hired. They're given They're given assignments uh, from the CIA, right? Right. And MI6 too, right? And MI6 too. MI6. One, one yeah. of the girls is yeah. MI6. So none of these people can <laughs> act. And what I think is really <laughs> funny is that, so the show is, you know, as you said, it's kind of like ripped off. It's a rip off of Baywatch. Right. Like what if all the lifeguards were spies instead? Right. But instead of California, they were in Acapulco, right? Hanging around the... But they traveled to other places because they, they went to Brazil. And they went and they went yeah. to uh, Cabo right. and they went to Puerto Rico. <laughs> and um, so Ish... They puts, all have to have beaches, Ish though. puts on the show. So this is our duel. Listen, nobody, nobody's ever gotten a duel ever last gotten Coke. A duel, so, so this is how good Acapulco it is. This is why you people need to watch this. 
first of all, the theme song. The re- that's the reason that I was like, let's watch it. The theme song is like three minutes long. And it's it sounds so like good. it sounds like CeCe Peniston <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and it's like dance, like herb, like uh, Jack's well, um, urban Jack for, swing. For, uh, like New, New Jack, Jack swing, swing music, but, urban Jack so swing. For the second, the second go around, because this thing ran for like 20, what is it? 24 I had like 24 episodes of the first season, the and first I actually season, and watched it, many of them. And then it went away for like two years, uh-huh. and then it came back. Mm-hmm. So when it came back... Because somebody thought it was a good idea to bring right. it back. <laughs> when it came back the second time, the theme song was actually recorded by um, a, a dance artist called Pepper Mache. Uh-huh. And she, I mean, all, all my gay boys know the song, you know, Let's get soaking wet. She's the one singing it. So to your uh, point, it's very, you know, very So her beginnings were Acapulco Heat. Her beginnings were Acapulco Heat. Anyway, so wait, wait. I, I haven't even gotten to the best <laughs> we're, part. We're still on the theme song. The we're... best part of the of the show. So the sh- one of the cast members. Wait, hold on. I know a lot of our listeners listen to us while they're driving. It's Fabio. Yes. So that Fabio. I think that Fabio probably, Fabio's management probably had some type of. I don't know. Un, un, un primo. Un primo. Un favor. Somebody, somebody on, the, on the production of Acapulco Heat owed Fabio's people un favor. Be, and they said, okay, fine. We'll put Fabio in. For those of you who don't know who Fabio is, back in like the late 90s. Who doesn't know Fabio Well, is? some of our younger listeners may not know Fabio. He's not that relevant anymore. Mm-hmm. He was the, the model for a lot of romance 18-year-olds are not listening to us. You don't know that. There's like three of them. He was the romance cover model on a lot of these, you know, bodice ripper things. Mm-hmm. And then he also had a Diet Coke commercial, I think. Well, I think of him when he and went... When he, when he the roller coaster? No. I, when I think Fabio, I just think of him on a roller coaster with a bird. That's what I'm saying. When he was on the roller coaster and the bird smashed into yeah. his face. So anyway, Fabio is in this sh- wonderful show. Uh, and <laughs> That's the biggest name that's and, on it, by the way. And, and he, you know, he can act, obviously. And his his lines and his character is completely throwaway. has nothing to do with the He's plot the hotel manager. of the episode. He's a hotel manager. Yeah. And, like, his lines would be like, oh... I'm so sorry for the uh, what happened today at the hotel. Um, uh, please, please, my condolences. And that's it. And mind you, you could tell that he's like looking for the cue card because he can't even read that. It is wonderful. It's such a mess. It's, 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 it is so horrible that it's wonderful. Totally worth watching. So both DJ and Ish from Pedro, let me tell you, in our first yes. ever dual Coke yes. giveaway, we give it to Acapulco Heat. And I'm, I, I beg you guys, please look it up on, yes. on Amazon. It's all on Amazon. You know, and we're totally to... ending this episode with the theme song. Oh, yeah, we totally are. Yeah, we are. We and are. you know what? I may play the whole thing. Because normally I only play like a couple seconds. But I, I may play but of the all first three. season of the first season. Claro, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got to um, play all three minutes. Eh. <laughs> it is wonderful. I'm telling you guys, watch it at home. At home. At home. Yes. You know, drunk with your friend. Total and you are guilty. Totally going to thank us. And if you do, let us know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's. Uh, should we start like a hashtag? Like you know, <laughs> justice for Acapulco Heat. Listen, if glitter went to number one after all those years, <laughs> we could make a comeback for Acapulco Heat. <laughs> Stranger things have so, happened. So, yeah. So, that is episode 55 That's of Pero Let Me Tell You. We talked about bad blood, <laughs> you know, Acapulco Heat, Acapulco heat and uh, John McCain, and Donald Trump. And, Donald so, Trump. You know, and, and, and an interview with, with Chef Hales. Exactly. So What's not to love? We hope everybody listened, laughed, and learned. And as always, grab your <laughs> your pastelito, your croquette, and your jupinha. And thank you so much as always. All right. Bye, mi gente.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 